Isn't God great? Amen. Yeah, he does above and beyond all that we could ever think or ask. And Uganda and the story there with Lori and Rogers and the rest of the team are just a part of that. And we're privileged to get to partner with them. And we're talking a lot about that today because we're talking about our mission. You know, this is part two. Um, last week, Jared talked about what we will be, who we are as a church, uh, eight values that we share. And this week, I'm doing part two of that, which is our mission. So I have a question for you this morning. How many of you uh, would like to go to the beach this morning? Okay. Oh, yeah, I see quite a few hands going up there. But maybe some of you that didn't raise your hand are thinking, wrong question, Ann. How many of you would like to go to the sunshine this morning? Woohoo! A lot more hands go up. Yeah, bring the sunshine. Well, we're going to go to the beach today. Pretend, okay? You're going to have to be like kids this morning. Pretend. We're going to go to the beach, and you only have two choices. It's Cannon Beach or Seaside. I'm not going to tell you what the other services voted. Okay, so raise your hand, all those who say, I want to go to Seaside this morning. Okay, how many now for Cannon Beach? Oh, I have to tell you, this is a Cannon Beach church. Okay, Cannon Beach has been selected each time. Well, we have our destination, so now I want you to think with me for a minute. What are all the means we could use to get from Evergreen's parking lot to Cannon Beach this morning? What are some of the ways? Just say them out right there. Okay, good. Oh, wow, there's an industrial, industrious answer. Somebody else. Bicycle, another hardworking person. Fly, all right, now we're talking. Yeah, fast, easy, and at ease. Motorcycle, I've been waiting for the motorcycle answer. Yeah, someone else? What was it? Church van, all right, yeah. Crawl, woohoo, yeah. Now that's, that's going to be the longest of all. Anyone else? What, what, ATV, yeah, that sounds like fun. Walking. What did you say? Uh, there we have. Yeah, <laughs> so true. You know, there's a lot of ways for us to get from the Evergreen parking lot to Cannon Beach this morning. And when we talk about our mission as a church, the same is true for us. There are a lot of ways for us to get to our destination. And what is our destination? We talk about this every week, that we're called to love God and love people. And help people around us do the same. Help as many people as we can fall in love with Jesus and begin a relationship with him. That's where we're all going. We're all wanting to love him more and to love people more as Jared prayed for us. But there's a lot of ways, a lot of different paths we can take toward that. And that's what we're exploring when we look at mission this morning. Some of those paths that we mentioned take more energy some of them are more demanding. Some of them cost more than others. Uh, some of them would take a lot more planning to achieve than others. But all of them could get you to that destination. And we believe that about mission. You see, mission is our partnership, what we're called to do in partnership with God to achieve what he's wanting to do in people's lives, for him to do what he wants to do. It's our working together with him. So there's a lot of different ways, but this today, what we're talking about, is the way Evergreen's been called to do it. And so we want to talk about that partnership. We love God with all we've got. We win our friends and our neighbors to Jesus we grow to be more like Jesus in weekend services, in all kinds of groups, and on serving teams. And we go here, near, and far, multiplying disciples, leaders, teams, and churches. 
Let's take a look at those four points of our mission, of what we will do to see God do what he is going to do. And that first one is we love God with all we've got. God designed us for a deep and lasting relationship with him. And he's, that's all in response to his great love for us. He's the one who said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have eternal life. He showed his great love for us. John put it well when he said, We love because he first loved us. The only reason we can love God with all we've got is because we know he loved us. He calls us the apple of his eye. We're his treasured possession. He cherishes us. We're his set-apart people. That's something that we can bask in. But it's also something that motivates us to love him fully. And Jesus, we reviewed this earlier, was asked this great question. Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? To which he replied in Mark 12, verse 28 through 30. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Or as the message puts it, love God with all your passions and with all of your emotion. And love God with all of your intelligence and with all your prayers and with all your strength. That's what we're called to. And we take a look at the early church. We did this at the beginning of our Acts series in Acts 2, 42. And we saw that because they wanted to love God with all they've got, they were devoted or they shared in common this common devotion to four different pursuits. And those four pursuits were prayer and meeting together for teaching, the apostles' teaching, and a common meal and worshiping together. And so we want to talk a little bit, how do we love God with all we've got? How are we going to do this together? And how do we do it together? The first one is prayer. We like to have honest conversations with God. That's what we're talking about when we talk about prayer. It's just talking to him like we would talk to a best friend, hopefully even more honest than that, because you can tell God anything. And we pray with and for one another. When we meet together, we make sure that's one expression of our loving God with all we've got. There are people who are praying for you as we come to every service. There's a woman who comes before services and prays, and she walks among the chairs, and no, we know nobody's sitting there, but you will be sitting there. And so she's praying for whoever will sit in that place and praying for what will happen in their lives. Jared and I and the rest of the teaching team, as we're praying and preparing for the service, we're praying over all the people who will be coming. And during the week, we're praying as an evergreen team. We take your prayer requests written down on those connection cards. Some of them are phoned in to us. Some of them are emailed to us. Last night, we had a voice message when we got back from Saturday service. Somebody who desperately needed prayer for their daughter who was in an accident. These are matters of great care for us. It's a part of our expression saying, God, we love you with all we've got. And that includes our honest conversations. Last week, just before service um, on Sunday morning, there was a woman standing in the back who I know. And I walked up to her and just said, hi, how are you doing? And she's pretty good. But she was telling me about her husband recovering from a surgery. And we were talking about it. And she said, would you pray for him? And I thought, there's no time like the present. Because she was saying, would you go home and pray for him? So we took hands right there there and we prayed for him and when we were done she did something wonderful she said and what could I pray for you about so I had to admit to her well you know what I have a difficult appointment coming up this week I'm not sure if it was a difficult appointment or a difficult person uh, because we all have those in our lives and I said would you pray for me so that I could 
walk through that wisely and like God wants me to. And she prayed for me. And at the end, she shared some wonderful words of advice and counsel for me. We pray for one another when we come together, whether it be in an organized way as we did this morning with somebody leading us in prayer, whether you're sitting there during worship as I did a few moments ago and you take a few minutes and you just talk to God yourself. You know, sometimes I check out of the song. I don't know if any of you do that. And I'll just be telling God because I've walked in the room with something that is pressing on my mind and I realize I haven't given it to God yet. And so I'll stop right there. Just say a few words to God. When we get together, a big part of our loving God with all we've got is just having these honest conversations with God together and as individuals. Well, we also worship together. Now, we know from the Bible, from God's word, especially Romans 12, 1 and 2 makes it clear that our worship isn't just our singing that we did this morning a few minutes ago that worships all of our life coming before God with it, presenting our whole body to him. So it's everything that we do in response to him. But we know that particularly when we're together, we worship with music and we sing to him. Now, I like to call this just an extension of prayer, the kind of worship we do with music. We just set our words to music. We set the conversation with God to music. Because think about it for a minute. Sometimes when we're singing the songs, we're saying, God, you're so great. We love you. Those kinds of things. Other times we're saying, God, help us. As, As James was sharing, we don't always live up to it. So sometimes the song is, till you come, help me to live like a child in awe of you. Sometimes I'm making that song a prayer and a request to him. And sometimes I'm declaring to him who he is. And you know, I don't think he needs to be reminded. I think I do. And so that's a part of that conversation with him that we share together when we worship. Now, Paul put it this way in Ephesians 5.19. He said, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks for everything to God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what our worship is together. That's what we're trying to do together, albeit we do it imperfectly. But that's what we're doing in loving God with all we've got. Whether we're students or children or adults, we all spend some time whenever we meet together just having these conversations with God with music. And then we have teaching. We have the time that we spend in God's word. And sometimes you think, well, how does that connect with loving God with all we've got? Well, it connects this way. You see, God's word is his love letter written to us. So why wouldn't we, in expressing love back to him, utilize and benefit from his love letter to us? So we spend a portion of our time when we gather here, the kids are doing that in their area, and the students are doing that in their services. We're spending a part of our time just looking at God's love letter to us, reminding ourselves of that, knowing that what that does for each one of us is it causes us to say, God, I love you more. I understand a little more of who you are and how much you love me. Because again, our love is always a response to a deeper understanding of how much he loves us. Jesus said it well when the woman came and washed his feet with her tears and wiped them with his hair. He said, he who has been forgiven much loves much. When I really understand what God's done for me, which is described in his word, then I understand how much I want to love him. We're not just into acquiring information about God. 
Now, we could do that. We could read the Bible and look at the book of Psalms or look at the poetry that's in there or examine it for the books of the law, but that's not what we're into. That's not our purpose. We examine God's word so that our lives can be changed, so that we can experience more of his plans for us. And so we make teaching one of our expressions of love to God. And then there's this thing about the early church where they had the common meal together. And you notice that we don't have that spread out here. There's not banquet tables with a white tablecloth or anything like that. But no, we do our own version out in the lobby for afterwards. That's why that food is not just there. We know you don't need the calories or, you know, nobody's starving right here in this room. But it's one opportunity for us to take just what we've started in here with relationships, with hearing from God's word and his love letter to us. We can go out there and we can begin to have conversations that deepen those relationships and that help us express love for each other where we can find out about each other's days. Because, you know, it was Jesus who reminded us that we can't love God and not love each other. John put it this way. You can't love God and hate your brother. And so every day, part of our loving God with all we've got, whenever we meet, is that we spend some time loving each other. And that's what we do when we turn and greet in a little portion. And then we try to go out there into the lobby before and after the services. And food helps us enjoy one another, just like the early church. We spend time doing that. We love God with all we've got together. And then secondly, we win our neighbors and friends to Jesus We are a community with a cause. We are not a club open only to members. What I like to call the Barney Club, you know, the kids' character Barney. I love you. You love me. We're a happy family. No, you shouldn't break out into song right now. You know, this idea that it's all of us in the room. No, the church of Jesus of all people in the world should be the ones with open arms, always inviting, always extending ourselves, always having room for one more relationship. And that's what this is about. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. This is the great commission with God. And my brother Joe, when he was here a few weeks ago, talked about this great commission with us. Let me read it for us. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, as he talked with us about this great commission, he was talking about the four verbs that were in there. And he was asking us, which of those four verbs was the imperative, was the command, the one that says, you do this? And interestingly, many of us thought that it was go, the first verb, but it wasn't. It was the make disciples. And the first part of making disciples is you got to come to Jesus because unless we know Jesus, we can't grow in Jesus, that other step of disciple making. And we're talking about this first part, helping our friends and neighbors, the people we come into contact throughout the week, come to know and love Jesus. And we took a little look at this fine tell bring Three easy things that any one of us could do wherever we find ourselves in life to help our friends and neighbors come to know Jesus. And he took this. It actually wasn't original. It wasn't a man's idea. This is actually uh, out of Scripture. And Billy Graham was the first one, by the way, to share this. John, the first chapter, it tells us of the story of Andrew in verses 41 and 42. It says this, The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We've found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. And then a few verses later in 45 and 46, Philip does this with his friend Nathaniel. 
And then a few chapters later, we see a woman who comes to a well, encounters Jesus, has amazing revelation from him about her life. And she goes back to her village quickly and says, come and hear a man who told me everything about my life. And she takes the the friends and family and neighbors there from her town to Jesus at the well. And he shares with them and they become believers. And you'll see this cycle of find, tell, and bring repeated over and over. In fact, in scripture, you find even when Jesus told people after he might have healed them, or he might have forgiven them, but they'd had this amazing and life-changing encounter with him, he'd say, don't tell anyone, but go home and live the life you were meant to live now. But you know what they'd do? They wouldn't mind him. They'd go back and tell their family. That was a common response. Or if they knew that Jesus was coming, they'd collect everybody they knew, sometimes their whole household, and bring them to Jesus. And that's what this fine tell bring is about. It begins with our relational networks and who we know and who we come to contact with on a daily basis. Who are those people in our lives? Our neighbors, our friends, our fellow students, our co-workers. Um, it could be people who serve us at restaurants, all of those kinds of people. And, you know, we, we came up with a thing called our love list. And there's cards like this out at Info Central. We handed them out that week. And we made a list, a love list of people we're praying for who are in our relational networks. And that's where it all started, was praying for those people on our love list. And eventually sharing our story of faith in Christ and then inviting them to church. Why invite them to church? Because some people said, well... You know, we don't need, they brought him to Jesus. Well, Jesus isn't here in the physical form right now, but he is in the form of his church, which he calls his body. And so bringing him to church is the place, the church with all its imperfections and in all its varied expressions is still God's favorite choice for displaying his love in action, for convincing people that they are loved and that they are welcome in his family. And so that's why we encourage you to invite them to, to a church time. We have one of these amazing fine tail bringers, as I like to call them, here at Evergreen. Her name's Anita. Anita works in billing at Tuolity Hospital, and she invites her friends and coworkers all the time. Now, she builds relationships with both her coworkers and the patients there at Tuolity through ongoing conversations. One of her coworkers confided in her recently that she's having a difficult time with her boss. So Anita asked her her favorite question. Anita's more direct. She says, do you know the Lord? To which the woman replied, yes, but I haven't been to church in a very long time. So Anita then said, well, how about if we have a cup of coffee sometime and we could talk more about that? And she took her up on it. A few days ago, this, this past week, the coworker came to her and said, Anita, I think it's time that we have that cup of coffee together. Now, what does she talk about? She loves to tell coworkers and patients alike about what they'll encounter at Evergreen. The loving people, the engaging pastors, and great programs for their children and for their youth. And if they happen to be a, a patient that she's met because they're struggling to pay their bill, then she likes to tell them about the pantry so she can help them, uh, offer help with their budgeting. But she always does it with this one caveat. She says, just come once. And then you'll know if you should come again. Just come once and experience it. In the last seven years, Anita has invited 130 people from her workplace to come to Evergreen with her. 
after many conversations. We are a community with a cause. We win our friends and neighbors to Jesus as we find, tell, and bring. Thirdly, we grow to be like Jesus. Now, somebody comes to know Jesus, and it would be a shame if we stayed right there where we first knew Jesus, and we didn't grow in our relationship with him. That's kind of like meeting somebody in the second grade, and, you know, second grade relationships and the traits associated with them, or sixth grade, that's even worse, and some of the traits associated with a relationship, and it never got any different. There wasn't ever any growth in it, and most of us would ditch that kind of relationship, wouldn't we? And that happens to people because they don't have this part. But we're committed to be a a church, a community where we can grow to be more like Jesus. Now, early in the Acts series, we took a look at Acts 2, 42 through 47, and we just talked about those four pursuits that they shared in common, that the commitment to God's word, his teaching, to prayer, and commitment to loving relationships and to sharing meals together. But, you know, when they did those things, they did them in different size of groups. It wasn't all in services like this, or if you're a mega church in the thousands, or if you're a smaller church in the 50s. But they did it in different kinds of groups. In fact, they described them as in the temple. That would be like us meeting here at a service at Evergreen or the many churches here in our community that meet. Or Solomon's Colonnade. They love to have conversations in Solomon's Colonnade. That's kind of like the lobby or when we meet in a restaurant or when we meet off-site with people. Because Solomon's Colonnade was a place where people could hang out on the fringes and kind of what I call intentional eavesdropping, where you don't have to really know yet what you believe and you could hang out and listen to what people are saying and kind of check it out safely. And so that's one of the places too. And then thirdly, they met in homes. And so we grow to be more like Jesus in a variety of contexts. It's certainly not just about the weekend services. And we want to offer that and be a church that lives that way together. So that means that on our weekend services, we are committed to growing together. Whether we're students or children or adults, we spend time learning how to grow together in Christ. In fact, when we finish a service and we have those conversations in the lobby, one of the things that we love to ask is, how's that working for you? That's one of our favorite questions because it takes us to that next level. You know, we're sharing life together, and sometimes life isn't working too well. And we can talk to one another about that, all for the purpose of saying, guess what? This is a scripture that came to mind for your situation. And sharing that with each other, we can grow to be more like Jesus that way. Now, if you're a a child here in children's ministry, then Pastor Kim has her own way of saying this, how the kids grow to be more like Jesus. She calls it the four Ds. The word, discovery, discussion, and do tell. So that's the way they grow together. And then we have groups. And these are our version of Solomon's colonnade, in my mind. This is a place where there's a lot more social interaction than we have in a service time like this. And so in these groups, life transformation can happen. You know, each one of us has a need inside of us to be known by other people. Certainly, first of all, by God, but also by other people who love God. And so these groups is a place where you can be known. You actually have time to make friends. So if it hasn't happened here for you, then a group is the next best place where you could actually connect with some people in deeper ways, where you could pray for one another, and where if you just made a commitment of some kind, like I'm going to start reading my Bible 10 minutes a day and try that for five days a week first, that somebody could say, how's that working for you? 
And then when you gave the answer, you could have help given to you. You know what? I struggled like that too when I was starting. That's the benefit of groups. And we have a lot of different kinds of groups. Joel and Sarah Stortro oversee a lot of groups, the non-gender specific groups, as I like to call them. And they started with 20s and 30s groups. And they recently launched those, and there's four of them. But, you know, there's such a big response to groups and so many requests for other people to be in a place that's smaller like this and where they can become known and have real accountability and share friendships that we're going to be launching a bunch more of these groups through Joel and Sarah so that you can make friends and you can really help each other grow in living the life that God intended for us. You know, some of our groups are groups like the Single Parent Support Group. And this last week, Jared and I met with Darren and Lindy McGee and they were sharing their plans for this group that just started this year. And it has been very successful in that these 15 to 17 people that start out in that group have built relationships with each other and support each other. They share meals together. Only now instead of this many people, there's 15, so you can really share and be known in that. And then we have men's and women's groups. And, you know, a real focus for the future on men's and women's groups is what we call life journaling groups. And in those groups, that's a chance for men and women to learn how to dig into God's Word, identify lessons for their lives, and make application for them. And, you know, that really is something that we learn to do. We're not just all born naturally to do that. All of us have to work at it. And so in this group, you can learn how to do that. And then when you get together, you share what you're learning. And in that, people can ask questions of each other. That's really fun. Now, how many of you would like one meal a week and that's it for your diet? Yeah, we wouldn't. Well, Jesus said these words, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every mouth that proceeds out of the word of God. And the thing is, we need to feed ourselves. Otherwise, we're getting one meal a week. Or maybe you listen to uh, the podcast and you're getting two meals a week. You know, good for you. Maybe you have a favorite TV pastor. That's still not enough, though. It's the richest thing to grow to be more like Jesus if you learn how to self-feed, which is learn how to dig into God's Word. And that's what the men's and women's groups are, are really focusing on for the rest of the summer and this fall in their launches. And then there's our senior adults, and they just enjoyed a monthly luncheon this last week that I got to be with them at. And in that time, it's really fun to watch them sing a conversation to God in their own language, which guess what? It's not the choruses we sing, but we do hymns and the beautiful conversation with God out of the language of those hymns that they enjoy together. And then, you know what? They just enjoy the companionship of other people who've shared the same seasons of life as they have. And they can reflect upon those and the lessons they've learned, and they can pray for one another. And then there's our students. You know, even our students get in on this. They've discovered that as great as Wednesday nights are, and as great as these Sunday morning services are for them, that Pastor Kevin does, that they really need a place where they can dig down a little bit and be a little more open about what's going on in their lives. And so that happens in what they call 242 groups out of Acts 242. And they do that. Those are facilitated by adult leaders during the week. And then there's our kids. And, you know, our kids have pretty much in the time that we've been there, had the, um, had the services on the weekends for them. But Kim has a series of summer opportunities for them where they can experience a more intimate time with each other and have a lot of fun. Things like the big beach blast on June 25th that they're going to have, where a whole team of people will help the students explore the aquarium, sand ca- build sand castles, have giant bubble contests on the beach, and experience a dive-deep devotion. 
something that really nails it, hands-on experience for the kids. And in July, they're going to go to infinity and their backyard with a spectacular science sleepover. And some of you may be saying, wait, 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 science and God? How are you reconciling those? Well, the kids there are going to explore and discuss how the God who made the universe knows them by name and how they can partner with his plans for their life. That's what that's about. They want to grow to be more like Jesus too. We grow to be more like Jesus in groups of all kinds. And finally, our serving teams. And by this, we just mean groups of people all over the place are constantly forming to address a particular need. And we have ushers and greeters. We have cook teams and cleanup teams and setup teams and teardown teams. And we've got hospitality teams that set up this food in the lobby. And we have teacher prep teams and we have room prep teams. Children's ministry has a whole array of teams that help that happen. And student ministries. We have a lot of these serving teams. I just want to tell you the story of one team so that you can grab hold of how these teams really do help us grow to be more like Jesus. We had a team that was working as part of our ASAP program on Wednesday nights. And this was two weeks ago. They were up in the kitchen, and and they began to talk. Now, this team has young people on it. They're in their late teens, early 20s, and it has people in the adults alive season of life, more the 60 and up. And they were all visiting as they were working. And this is where the conversation went. They talked about marriage. They talked about sexual purity before marriage, the timing of marriage in our culture and how it impacts temptations that couples face and how the timing of marriage uh, for kids affects other choices that students are making in life. And all of this conversation took place with their hands holding a dish towel, their hands scrubbing with a mop, or their hands in wet dishwater, washing dishes. That's how a serving team happens. In fact, if you've been on one before, no matter what kind it was, you probably said this yourself, as a lot of them have. I received more from this experience than I gave. Or if you're working with kids, a lot of times people say, I learned more than the kids did when I served as one of those teachers or one of those assistants or whatever the group was. We grow to be more like Jesus in our weekend services and groups of all kinds and in service teams, just like the early church, our own version of the temple, Solomon's colonnade, and meeting in homes. We grow that way. Fourthly, we go here, near, and far. And didn't Lori just do an excellent job of sharing with us about how she is being Christ's ambassador in the furthest part of the earth, in Uganda? His representatives, ambassadors, as Paul liked to call us, multiplying disciples, leaders, teams, and churches. Now, Jared kicked off our whole Acts series there in the first chapter of Acts. And we particularly looked at Acts 1-8 at this trifocal vision that we had. And it says this in Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and in the furthest or outermost parts of the earth. Here, Jerusalem, that's where they were at when these words were spoken to them. It always starts where we're at, near Judea and Samaria and far, the the ends of the earth. And then Joe helped us take a look at the Great Commission, and we talked about that word, though, go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That go word that really should be written as you are going or wherever you go. That it's not just that imperative command, but rather it's a wherever you go word. So wherever you go, whether it's here, near, or far, 
Let's be making a difference, multiplying disciples, leaders, teams, and churches. Let's take a look at one man's journey to go here and make a difference. When I was first asked uh, to do this, I was, I thought, no, I'm not going to do it. Well, you know, it turns out uh, whenever the lady who, who, the teacher there that, that really asked for this help came to me directly and said, you know, this would be good. We don't, we don't have men come in and do this, and this would be really good. And I thought, you know, I'm not, that's not me. But I thought, what the heck, you know, I mean, <laughs> getting stretched, you know, get, you know, stretching, looking outside the box and, and how I can do things differently, that's not a bad thing. We'll, we'll do it, and I'm sure it'll be fine, and it has been. Mikey, I, I met Mikey the first day that I, uh, I volunteered at Blueberry. I went into the class and there were all these little kids and I first I didn't know what grade they were going to be, you know, they, they turned out being fourth graders. Mikey was the little boy that sat kind of to the back part of the room with his chair away from everyone else and, and for some reason I was drawn to him. I, I don't know why, but I, was, I just kind of focused on him and uh, before I knew it I was sitting next to him and, and uh, we were talking and each time I, I came into the class uh, you know, he wanted me to sit by him. I later found out that there had been some real challenges with Mikey. He was, he was struggling with some things, I guess some issues at home and what have you. And uh, the staff, they weren't really sure how to handle him. It was mentioned that, that there was one person that, that seemed to be able to reach him, and it was a volunteer that just recently started coming in. And that volunteer was me, and I, I thought, wow, I, I don't know what I've done. If I could help him, it was kind of like my heart was, you know, if there's anything I can do, Lord, to, to help this little boy and help change his life, then use me in whatever capacity you can. One day I thought, hey, you know, if you have a good week, I'll, how about I come in and bring you lunch? So I talked to his teacher and got that cleared. And I just wanted to get to know him a little more, so I went in and stopped at Burger King, picked him up a hamburger and some fries, and we sat in his classroom and talked while the rest of the kids went to lunch. And, and I just said, hey, you know, what's what's going on with this fourth grade stuff? How are you handling it at all? And of course, he said, I just don't like school. And come to find out, he likes motorcycles. And, you know, I like ATVs, so we kind of talked about that. It's an amazing young man. And uh, I was in there the other day, and he, he says, hey, Mr. Mentor, I brought you something. And he brought me a, a granola bar as a snack. So he's turning around. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. All I want to do now is just do more. And what can I do more to impact him in a positive way? So, I don't know where I'm going to be over there next year, but you can bet uh, when next year comes around and school starts again, hopefully my schedule will allow for me to, to go in and maybe be with the fifth graders again, maybe be around Mikey. That would be kind of cool. <laughs> Twenty-eight of us are serving there at Mooberry Elementary, and this coming fall, we're going to invite more of you to sign up to be volunteers there in the during the literacy block from 11 to 1 in the classroom. And it would take 60 of us to put a volunteer in every classroom Monday through Friday of the third through sixth grade, which is where they want us. And so you can look ahead to that opportunity to make a difference here. Now you know there are a lot of ways to make a difference here. And one of those is to just look at the relationships you have already in your life, like your daughter and her class at school. 
And this is Isaac's story. My daughter's in second grade, and I read on every Friday uh, to her and her class. And we've been reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And a couple of weeks ago, we came uh, to the chapter where Aslan decides to sacrifice his own life in place of Edmund, who deserved death. And we're coming to the end of the chapter, and the witch is about ready to kill Aslan. And she says, and what will keep me from killing the rest once you are gone? You are the fool, and with that thought, despair and die. And the chapter ends. And all these second graders are staring up at me. (laughs) And then someone says in the class, and that's what God did for us. And then my daughter raised her hand and said, yeah, that's what God did for us. And then the whole class is kind of, you know, in chaos and they're all talking. And I'm saying, interesting. (laughs) And then one little boy who wasn't quite as informed said, turned to and said, what do you mean that's what God did for us? And another little boy looked at him and said, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. It's been amazing to see what has happened as I've gone to spend time with my daughter in her classroom. Yeah, awesome. Today, we're going to invite you to an opportunity to make a difference here. And you've been so generous in doing that. We have 28 seniors in high school who are homeless and are graduating this year from the area high schools. We have seven of them at Hill High, four of them at Liberty, one at Miller Educational Center, 11 at Century, and five of them at Glencoe. Let me just tell you about one of them at Glencoe. And I introduced him to you earlier because he's been accepted at Lewis and Clark College. But two weeks ago when Christy Peterson went to his his school, the principal caught her at the door and said, what are we going to do for so-and-so? And she said, what do you mean? She said, because he's wasting away. He's losing weight. He doesn't have enough food to eat. So Christy went and interviewed him and found out that his parents, both struggling with alcoholism, had been claiming him and preventing him from getting any food stamps for himself. So he had nothing to purchase food with. So Christy took him $100 and gave it to him on the spot. But these are the kids who are trying to make life work in spite of a, a really compromised economic status and home status and life story status. And it's our goal that we could take an offering today and you'd put it in the envelopes there in the seat backs and you'd just mark it, uh, graduation or grad students. And that is going to be divided up, and we're going to write 28 cards for each of those students. And the school district is going to divvy the money and put it with our cards and give it to them. In Jesus' name. Loving kids all over the place. This is a part of our commitment to touch in substantial ways a 1,000 students and children this year. Not just once, not just twice, but in an ongoing fashion. And you know that we're working on more ways for this fall. Then there's the near peace. Beginning in December this past year, we linked up with A.J. and Quinn Swoboda, the church planter for the Hawthorne District. And we did that by praying for them and by giving to the church plant financially. And then, of course, by through friendship. We have A.J. and Quinn come back here and share periodically. And I just talked with A.J. probably three times this week, and he gave me the update. You know, they just have a new church name. It's Theophilus. 
Now, I happen to have heard that somewhere. Aha, scripture. But Theophilus means lover of God. And it's their name. I thought it sounded like a Dr. Seuss name, actually. But it's the name they gave him because that's what they want to do. They want to create lovers of God all over the Hawthorne district. And that's a district where there's a lot of young creatives that have a lot more metal and art on them than any of you do right now. And because of that, they approach things a little differently. And they're now doing two services, one at noon and one in the evening on Sundays, both of them with a common meal that they share together. And in addition to that, for Easter, they did this neighborhood party for all the kids in their neighborhood. And they had stories and games and all sorts of interaction and great food. And they had 40 kids come, not counting the adults, where they could just love these kids in Jesus' name. And the Hawthorne Church is just the first of many church plants that we want to either sponsor or give birth to or invest in in some other way. In July, Kim Lawless is going to lead our kids in a near focus in part of their mission and in their lessons. And a part of that will be partnering with Theophilus in some interesting and new ways, probably some ways your kids have never done before. And then the kids are also going to make cards for local nursing home residents. And they're going to also make cookies and cards for our firefighters and our policemen and deliver them here in Hillsboro. This is going to be an opportunity for even our kids to get to experience both here, near, and far. And then that brings us to far. The one that has been so well represented by Lori this morning as she told about Uganda. We are committed to investing in multiplying disciples, leaders, teams, and churches, even in distant countries. When Lori and Rogers are ready, we'll put together a team here of evergreen people who will go there and help them build. We'll work alongside the Ugandans. They're going to have a Ugandan foreman on the job and a lot of Ugandan laborers. And just for a couple weeks, if you're one of those people gifted at that, you'll get to go and apply your labor along with theirs and accelerate their development of buildings and things so they can serve the kids well. A team recently returned from Sao Paulo, Brazil, and in two weeks we're going to pray for another team that's headed to Nepal. Teams are just one way that we get to share God's love in faraway places. Now, at Christmas, we introduced the idea of making our purchases count by purchasing from companies that are making a difference in the world. And we talked about Free Set Bags and Trade as One, two great companies that we're going to talk more about this fall. But today, you have an opportunity out here in the lobby to make your purchases count two ways. You're going to hang a picture on the wall? Then why not make it a picture that's also supporting the Ugandan orphanage? By purchasing it. That's the opportunity that Lori's presenting us to us. Now, I know a lot of those have been sold today, but this is a building business for her. She's helping the kids and the adults in the church and the orphanage find micro-businesses that will really work. And this is one of the ones. These are some of the products that they want to produce. And so that's one of the ways that we can go far right from home is by making our purchases count, not just today, but in an ongoing way. You see, when we make our purchases count, we are fulfilling part of Jesus' thing, which is he said that he came to set the captive free and to bring good news to the poor. And we know that the good news, first of all, is that God loves you regardless of your economic status and has a plan for your life and that you matter as much to him no matter what amount of money you have or don't have. That's the first piece of it. But you heard the response of the one little boy, the little girl who said to Lori, what do you like best? the food, and the clothes. 
Because without your basic needs met, it's hard to listen to the rest of the good news. So that's why we are so interested in being good news, not just sharing the good news with our words. But we want to, wherever we go, do both of them. Be good news to people by bringing them food or clothing or making purchases that set them free from being in child slavery and the sex trade for women. And that's why we're so interested in these companies. Whichever they are, whether you're Ugandan or whether they're free set or whether their trade is one, because then we can make it work twice for God's sake. We love God with all we've got. We win our friends and neighbors to Jesus. We grow to be more like Jesus in weekend services, in groups of all kinds, and in our service teams. And we go here, near, and far, multiplying disciples, leaders, teams, and churches. Let's pray together. Father, we do say thank you to you for leading us and inviting us to partner with you in what you want to do through our community of faith. And we just say right now, Lord, we want to love you with all we've got. We want to, this week, put on our minds and hearts those people that should be on our love list, Lord, and highlight those people for us so that we're actually initiating with them, having those ongoing conversations with them. Then, Father, if there's anyone here who just hasn't had it in their heart, any compassion for the poor or those who live oppressed and compromised lives because of other people's oppression of them, Lord, help us break our hearts for what breaks yours. Help us, Lord, build that compassion in us. And we pray for that, Lord, in Jesus' name.